Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome back to The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY, 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Evan Harrington. I am joined by, as always, my favorite co-hosts, Joe Callie and Tanner Saunders. We'll be having a few come in as the show goes along. But first of all, how are you doing, guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. You know, it's a nice little Friday Friday show. Uh, no classes the past couple days because of the ice storm we had, so oh, it's geez. going all right. <laughs> boy, yeah, it's all fun and games, though, until you have to... Uh, boy, I had a whale of a time trying to get the thi- thick layer of ice off my car this, yeah. this morning trying to drive, but outside of that, I'm chilling. I'm decent. All right, so before we get into some Sabres and some Bills and NBA talk, we are going to do our weekly Buffalo State Athletics interview. We have two guests from the women's swimming and diving team. We have Hannah Hannah Heal and Maggie Bilquin. How are you guys doing? Um, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. All right, so first of all, how's your guys' semester going so far here at Buffalo State? It's been pretty all right. I have all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so I kind of have Monday and Wednesdays off. Yeah, I have um, Mondays and Fridays off. All my classes are just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're night classes, so pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Evan, you kind of, I'm just going to insert myself right here right away, but you kind of answered like one half of a question I had there. I was just going to say with you guys having to balance playing a sport and also getting an education, what's a typical day in the life look like? Um, so a typical practice week, we practice 7 to 9 a.m. And then three days a week, we'll have lift, um, usually like 2 to 3 p.m. But if you can't make it, you just go when you can go. So lots of early mornings, but, uh, before classes start, you just get your schoolwork done and then do it all again the next day. All right. So obviously you guys are on the swimming and diving team. What? got you into swimming and diving uh you know growing up um well I have a lot of like siblings and so a lot of my brothers swam and um they kind of just inspired me to join for me I just started with swim lessons and I kind of graduated from those and I like looked at my mom and I was like what's next and she signed me up for a swim club and I just kept going I guess if you can remember the first time, was it nerve-wracking? Because I can't remember my first time. I'm not a swimmer, but I can't remember my first time. But if uh, if I had to imagine, I was probably wanting to die. I was so scared. Do you guys remember what it was like your first time? Was it nerve-wracking at all? I feel like I was six years old, and they kind of just threw me in the pool and told me to swim to the other side. So way less nerve-wracking than it is now. You kind of just, just went. yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of thrown in because we had to do like swim lessons in high school or middle school. It was middle school. So I already like knew. Yeah, so that actually kind of sets me up perfectly for the next question. Um, What was the biggest transition for you guys personally from high school swimming and diving to the college level? Um, For me, it was definitely way more work. Like in high school, I feel like we just did like 10 100s and called it a practice. But in college... There's so much more to it, and a lot of um, gear, like paddles and flippers and stuff. 
I feel like my high school swim experience was like pretty rigorous. Um, some of our practice were kind of comparable to what we do now, but I think the biggest like transition was that when you're a student athlete in college, it's kind of more of a personality trait. It's not just like you're a swimmer when you're at practice, and especially with the longer seasons, our season goes from what September to February, mm -hmm. so it's like a pretty big chunk of like who you are during the school year. All right, Maggie, I want to ask this one specifically to you. You went to Allegheny before uh, Buff State, right? Yes, I did. All right, so uh, how did you? How did your uh, your journey bring you to Buffalo State then? Um, well, I graduated from Allegheny College with my Bachelor's of Environmental Science, and I was kind of looking at some jobs, and I was like, mm, I'm not really ready to work yet. Let me apply to some grad schools. And... I'm originally from Niagara Falls, so I kind of wanted to come back local for a couple years. So I was looking here, I was looking at UB. There's a couple other programs I applied to, but the one that fit what I want to do best was here. And so I kind of just applied here. And then after I got in, I just emailed our coach. I was like, hey, can I swim here? And he was like, <laughs> yes, please. All right. So, um, one question for you, Hannah. We already talked about Maggie's journey here. What uh, what brought you to Buffalo State? Um, well, there's not a lot of schools with like a fashion program near me, and I live like 45 minutes away. And I really liked how Buffalo State had like the they have like a program where you could do three years here and one at FIT. So that was mainly why I chose Buffalo State. Um. I want to talk about now a little bit about the team. Speaking on the team as a whole, what do you guys like about this group that you have? I think they're extremely supportive. And, like, if you're ever nervous for a race, um, they'll, like, get up in your face and tell you it's fine. And I love that about them. It's just, like, a good mix of personalities. No matter how you're feeling that day, there's always going to be someone that can match your vibe and it's not really clicky like you can bounce around between like everyone on the team I feel like it's like one big group of best friends and especially with how much time we spend together um I think that's really important it keeps us close mm -hmm. yeah that actually kind of just sets me up for, for the next question as well like what is the overall vibe on the team uh day to day whether that's a practice or or, or a meet um I feel like it's pretty goofy yeah very goofy <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so uh, Hannah, I want to ask this specifically to you since you're kind of younger. You still got some time here. Maggie, you can chip in as well, but what are some of your goals moving forward? Could be athletically, academically, just life goals. What do you, what do you, what do you got to say about that? Well, we both have one more year, right? Yeah. So, well, what are your goals for next year? Um, uh, Maybe swimming related. I want to get the 50... Um, school record not the pool record um and i don't i don't really know i kind of just want to get more involved in my major and like see what like the fashion program has to offer yeah um i guess for my goals i would like to obviously drop some time off of the records that i broke there's a couple more relays that we could go after mm -hmm. Um, I want to improve in some of the other strokes just besides breaststroke and maybe move up at SUNYAX. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So, Hannah, you received third team all SUNYAC. 
honors for your performance in the 50 and the 100 free. Uh, just talk about the feeling getting that honor. Um, well, I don't know. It just felt good. I don't really know how to describe the feeling, but I wasn't expecting it, and I didn't even know it was a thing, so it's kind of cool. Another thing to celebrate about. Well, the one thing that you can celebrate about fully is uh, within your 100 free, your time was 52.12 seconds, which broke the school record. Walk us through that moment uh, and, you know, take us through it. Um, well, for some reason, I just didn't think that the 100 free record was even reachable. Like, it wasn't even a part of my goals this year. But uh, I finished my race and saw I swam a 52, which... I've never swam before, so I was pretty excited to get that. And then when I got out, they told me I broke the school record, so I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> all right, we're just bouncing all around here, going from <laughs> team to records and all that, and I'm just taking it completely off the reels here. But, Hannah, I know you got some uh, some tattoos, and whenever we get somebody in here that's got, uh, got some ink on them, I'm always curious. Uh, you got any ideas for anything imminent coming up as far as tattoos? Um... I get them kind of like, I don't really like think about like what I want. Like sometimes I'll see an artist flash and I'll be like, I want that. So that's kind of how that works. <laughs> Maggie, do you have any yourself? Um, yeah, I have a couple tattoos. Um, in the future, I'm looking to get one that I already have touched up. It was a dorm room tattoo back at Allegheny, so <laughs> it didn't heal the best. But, I mean, it's still it's still a really good base. I just think I need it touched up a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, so, Maggie, going back into the, um, the honors talk, uh, you received third team all SUNYAC as well. <coughs> talk about that feeling and, you know, walk us through it. Um, it was really exciting. Basically, I had no idea that I would be able to get third place going in. Um, I was seated, I think, fifth and sixth in my races, so I was more just focused on the time. And then after prelims, in both of my races, I ended up finishing in third, and then you kind of just have that pressure on you where you're like, I just want to stay there. It's kind of incentivized because top three get a medal, so I was kind of like, I want a medal, (laughs) so... um, and talking to my coach after, I think us getting our third places is the highest um, in recent history that any um, one on the women's team has finished individually. So that was really exciting because we're definitely looking to um, kind of turn the team around and keep moving up in the league. So that's just a way to start that. So it was really exciting. It's definitely exciting to be up there on the podium um, in third. Speaking of moving up, you did move up the record books here at Buffalo State with two broken records here at the school one in the 100 breast with a time of one minute seven seconds point 27 and in the 200 breast with two minutes and 29 seconds point 42 walk us through both of those moments for yourself um it was definitely a really challenging meet i was battling what i thought was strep throat the whole time turns out it was bronchitis still not very good <laughs> And my goals this season, I just wanted to keep improving. Those are both um, personal records for me as well. So that was really my goal. They kind of aligned with the school records. But at the end of the day, I was just looking to improve my times. But um, I don't know. It felt good. I was was excited, but I just want to keep getting better. And it was exciting to be able to come to a new school and swim in a new program and still be able to improve. So both of you being record holders in your respected races and in a medley relay as well are there any other like out outlier races that both of you like enjoy swimming even though they're not your like your respected stroke or anything like like a 200 butterfly throwing in that in there or something like that 
Um, the four I am. The four. <laughs> um, so this year I kind of dabbled as an I am or my two. I ended up swimming the two I am at Suniax. Very happy I did because the four I am was right before the breaststroke. Um, I didn't do that well in it, but that's kind of my third third thing I get thrown into. It's I don't know. It's fun. It's it's another race to swim. Mm-hmm. I think mine would be the two free, um, cause I'm really bad at like, cause I'm a sprinter, so like I don't know, I I can't like keep my um pace up. But I worked on it a lot this year, and I I think I dropped about like six seconds for the year, so that was pretty nice. All right, so obviously someone that has gotten you guys to this point so far is head coach Mike Kroll. Can you talk about him and what he's meant uh, for your guys' success this year? He's just awesome. Yeah. I think he's the best coach that I've ever had across every sport that I've ever played. He matches athletes' like individual vibe very well, I think. Mm-hmm. And even though we're on a team, it's an individual sport. So I think he does really well with like working with individuals within the team aspect. Yeah. And he's really personal. And like he's easy to have a conversation with. All right, we got a few more questions here before we wrap up our Buffalo State Athletics interview for the week. Um, favorite swimming and diving moment here at Buffalo State? Hmm. Probably SUNYX. Yeah. Just the whole meet. It was a really supportive environment. It was really fun. I mean, both of us were obviously successful, but I think across the rest of the team, almost everyone had a season's best or a personal best, and... Lots of people making it back to finals that weren't seated there. Lots of people moving up. So it was just a really fun and tiring, but mostly fun four days. Yeah, the atmosphere was really great. All right, so you guys don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. But, you know, being here for a little bit now, if you've had uh, a worse class at Buffalo State that you've taken, not necessarily that it was a bad class, but one you just weren't particularly fond of. Um, Maybe, like, my accounting class. Mm. <laughs> Even as in a, I, uh, I took accounting in my former school, Corning Community College, I'll agree with you there. Even though I have a, a degree in accounting, yeah, there's no good, such thing as a good accounting class. I, got, I, can, uh, I can vouch for that. Yeah, it was tough. All right, so we always do this segment with all of our guests. It is called Top 3, and the top three that we have for this interview is your guys' top three favorite music artists currently right now. Um, okay. I, okay, they, I feel like they have a, a bad name, but I really like the Front Bottoms, and I saw them in concert last year, and I'm going to see them in concert again in May. But, um, I also really love Baby Keem, and then Denzel Curry. I love him, too. What's your favorite Denzel Curry song? Because I've been listening to some of his stuff lately, but I'd like to listen to more. So if you could put me on here real quick, what do you, uh, what do you like with Denzel Curry's catalog? Um, my favorite is X-Wing, and I think his new album, um, the cold, the the jazz one, the cold-blooded version, I think that's really good. Um, well, I have to give a shout-out to my number one girly, Taylor Swift. <laughs> I feel like she always just matches the vibe, no matter what. And then, um, recently, well, not recently, during swim practice, 
um, my coach will put on Pitbull radio. Mm. So, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, I've become <laughs> I've become a very big fan of Pitbull. And then recently what I've been putting on in the car, just on shuffle, Quinn 92 or like Quinn XCII, however you pronounce the name. But yeah, that's for me right now. All right. That is outstanding. That has been another interview for Buffalo State Athletics with Hannah Heil and Maggie Bilquin from Women's Swimming and Diving. Just want to say thank you guys for joining the show and, you know, have, uh, you know, good luck for the rest of the semester. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for Certainly, having us. Uh, we wish you continued success moving forward, and uh, thanks for taking some time out to stop and chat with us. I, can, I can't uh, speak for myself because I've never been a student athlete, but I imagine you guys are some of the busiest people on any campus, so thank you. No problem. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you. We will be back in just a few moments after we're going to take a quick break here, and after the break, we will come back and talk about the Sabres' big 6-5 to five overtime performance yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning in their matchup that they will be having tonight versus the Florida Panthers. This is 91.3 FM WBNY. We'll be back in just a few moments. Amcos has got room. Cuts to the middle. Good stick by Labushkin. No penalty on the play and a break here for Labushkin. Ilya Labushkin looking for his first to the Sabres. Ah! Are you kidding me? Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM at WBNY. My name is Evan Harrington. I am still joined by Joe Kelly, Tanner Saunders, and now coming in a little late, but he is here. We got Frank one of our tank. new hosts, Frank the Tank. Frank, to be here, boys. Frank the Tank, like the barstool dude. Frank, <laughs> oh, can we call you Frank the Tank? I'll take it. Like, Let's like, go. There could be worse things yeah, it could be called. Like, there is some things that, that do rhyme with Frank. Like like dank dank, dank yeah prank dank There's mix yeah Thomas the Dank Engine that's a good one I like that one <laughs> did you no, say Thomas, Thomas the Dank Frank the Tank <laughs> no. Engine yep you ever seen you ever seen Thomas the Dank Engine that video I have not <laughs> oh I gotta play it after the show we cannot play it on the show but okay. I will play it after yeah, yeah. the show okay. <laughs> that'll be something that we, we potentially <laughs> dabble into afterwards maybe um, the next Blitz after dark right Jeez. but I think um something I think a lot of us were wanting to talk about. After last night's phenomenal win with the Sabers, was their six to five win in overtime against the Tampa Bay Lightning? I mean, overall, just what a nerve-wracking game it was. We know every time the Buffalo Sabers play the Tampa Bay Lightning, there's always something going on in the third period where the Sabers just some reason fall apart and always have to give a couple goals in the third to the Lightning to let them get back into the game and and either tie it up to get a point in overtime or overall just you know ruin our night and ruin our hopes and dreams of potentially getting into getting back into a playoff spot but the Sabres prevailed and they pulled out a really gutsy effort 6 to 5 win against arguably the best team in the National Hockey League so Tanner just really quickly before we dive into the game you know overall what were, what were your just thoughts um, and feels and emotions with the win last night? Of course, all this of all the Sabres games I don't watch, it had to be that one. But I think if there is, you know, simply put, if I could summarize this game, is that if 
yesterday, you were to tell me by the end of the night that there was going to be a player on our roster that was just going to rip Steven Stamkos, Steven frickin' Stamkos, just rob him blind, and then proceed to bury a shorthanded wrister on the other end of the ice against one of the best, if not the best goalie in the NHL in Vasilevsky there. Labushkin probably would have been the last person I would have guessed. I would have guessed Uka Pekka Lukanen to do to, 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 to do that before Labushkin, and he's not even a skater, but uh, you know that's just the that is just sports in a nutshell. Sometimes just the unpredictable natures, and sometimes just completely ridiculous things like that happen. But I'm glad it happened. Thank you, uh, thank you for your service, Tampa Bay. Thanks for the free dubs. Now, if we beat Florida tonight, we'll be in a playoff spot. So you know, I'm feeling good right now. That is something we'll get into in just a few moments. Joe, um, you probably had a chance to watch the game. I'm sure you did. That I did. Overall, emotions, feels, knowing that we got a big win against um, the best team in the National Hockey League. Horrified for like the first three periods, and then when Labushkin scored the goal uh, in OT, that was uh, the my soul left my body for a minute, I would say. <laughs> it was... It was uh, Pretty surreal to actually watch that in real time. There was an obvious hooking penalty that was just glanced over, which was, you know, we, we got lucky on that one when he, like, hooked him down or whatever. Hey, well, you know what? There but was we, some... got, we got screwed, like, yeah. eight other times in that say, game. From so. what I understand, there were some calls that could have been made in the Sabres' favor that weren't. So there you go. If Labushkin, you know what? I don't want to hear it. If he hooks Stamkos, I don't want to hear it. That was our makeup call. Well, I mean, also, before we really get into it, Kyle Oposo could have been out long term with the hit from um eric cernak i mean that was a, a blatant elbow to the head not called um but they they called henry yoki haru for a phantom delay game but <laughs> that's nor here nor there um well speaking that of, was an ot right no no that was before ot sorry. right before but like, didn't yoki take a penalty in overtime to put them on the power play he was still in the penalty it yeah, carried no, so over he, he took from it away oh, period into OT. I don't know, six or seven seconds before yeah, OT it was started. Like, oh, hey, so bogus, but okay. Yoki was playing 4D chess out there then. He took the penalty, so Labushkin could be the one on the ice to force that turnover and then bury it on the other end. So you know what? Labushkin made the play, but give credit to Yoki for even taking a penalty and putting him in that situation. I'm only slightly uh, just kidding there. Yeah, and the league will be having a hearing on Eric Cernak for the hit against Kyle Oposo. And I think this is something that they have to look into because this isn't the first time that Cernak has uh, laid a hit like this on a Sabre. I'm pretty sure someone can call in at 878-5104 to correct me if I am wrong, but I'm pretty sure Cernak did hit Eichel up in the head um, a few years back when he was still wearing the number 15 so it's not like pretty sure he did it to Darlene too a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, he did it to Darlene. Darlene, he probably did it to every single one. Like this isn't the first time he's been around here in Buffalo like that, and I'm sure he's done it against them, you know, a few other fan bases as well and in teams and stuff. So, you know, Cernak, you're a good player, don't get me wrong, but you know, keep your elbows to yourself, keep your hands to yourself and, you know, let's not try to to injure some some Sabres, but let's go over the game in general, uh overall. Um Eric Comrie didn't have the greatest performance by the stretch of anything, but he faced 41 shots against, allowed five goals in, and he made 36 saves. But when he needed to make a save the most, when he had to step up to the plate, he delivered. <laughs> Eric Comrie wasn't pretty, but he delivered when it, you know, when it, meant, when it meant the most. 
It's like Sabres goaltending in a nutshell right there. It's not always pretty, but they have a knack for delivering when it matters most. Anything there, Joe? No, honestly, it's like the worst and best team to watch because you are on the edge of your seat the entire game, but your heart also can't take that amount of stress for more than probably one game a week, and you're pushing it. Your body is pushed to its limits, but, I mean, I'm okay with it. I like it. I like watching them, so still do it. Adrenaline rush, you know, brings you back. I wouldn't have it any other way, man. It is, boy, it can be incredibly frustrating to watch Sabres games, but then it can just take you to levels that you never thought you could reach watching a sporting event. Like Boosh scoring a shorthanded breakaway game winner in overtime. Are you, are, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's just, that's Sabres hockey right there. It's a roller coaster, but I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I, I love this team. That Yet. that actually brings me to that trivia question I want to unload right now. Okay. See if anyone can oh, get it. Okay, so I... I misspoke when I actually sat out in the hall, so you might actually get it now. Who was the last Sabres player to get a shorthanded breakaway goal in overtime? Oh. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Do oh, you? Tanner, I'm not, if, you, if you have it, yeah. I, I know what it is. But if you, Oh, you know what it is for yeah. a fact? I'm pretty sure it's Palmer, Jason yep. Pominville. Jason Pominville. But it was in overtime, though. OT. Or, no, it was in the po- yeah, I meant yep. postseason. It was in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, it was postseason. Many, many years ago. But that was uh, that we were toddlers at that point. Pretty yeah. much, and I wasn't even a hockey fan, but nope. I saw I uh, I saw Sabres PR last night, so you almost you almost got me there, Joe. But that's a good <laughs> well, one. Well, I, hey, yeah, man. I I said it out there. I was just trying to remember it off the top of my head, and then I actually like found the tweet that I saw, and I was like, okay, that that I, I misspoke out there. But but if I'm not mistaken, now Boosh is the first defenseman yep. in Sabres history to ever do that. Yep. Yes, he is. What a guy. So going over more of the game, Frank, we'll get you in on this conversation a little bit. Just kind of starting with the first goal. From Zemgis Gergensen's, it, it it was a you know a shot pass kind of from Rasmus Dahlin. He just kind of went off the skate. You got a chance to watch the game yesterday, I'm sure, right? Uh, I watched overtime. You watched overtime? I did. Okay. Before we get into that, what was your just like overall reaction to the Labushkin goal? Watching it in overtime, it was honestly an amazing sight to see. Yeah. It was in the break room at work, sitting around probably five other just massive Sabres fans <laughs> to see that breakaway and then the shorthand goal. I mean, the whole room was just electric. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, myself, and I'm sure all of us right now, when we saw um, Tampa Bay have that power play going into or overtime, it's just one of those things. Well, the Sabres blew the 5-3 to three lead. Another blown lead um, against Tampa. I'm pretty sure that, that would have been four straight games. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is undoubtedly number one team in the league, one of the number one power plays in the league, and you're giving them a four-on-three look in overtime? Yeah, good luck. Um, And the only time you'll probably ever see Ilya Labushkin in overtime in three-on-three action, you saw him out there, and he made the most of it. Um, He made a really gritty play up top against Stamkos and basically went for it all. And was he going to make it all the way to the end for for a breakaway deke? Heck no. But... He was at you know about the top of the circle, and he took that rip, and he got right past the glove of Vasilevsky. And overall, we saw Nikita Kucherov just kind of you know crying back to the bench and, and whining like he normally does against the Sabers, not getting his calls, whatever. But I mean, that's what it is in a nutshell. But yeah, so you got you got to watch overtime. I mean, Frank, like where, where do you see the Sabers like currently going right now um, in in the postseason race? Uh, don't, I, oh wait! I was well, gonna say, I thought 
I didn't know where you're going with that, Evan. I think we see where you see the Sabres going moving forward. I was going to say, oh, you better forward. not say losing to Florida tonight. That's... I'll be honest, no, no, we'll I'm definitely scared. We'll talk about we'll talk about Florida in a second. <laughs> but but before before forget we get Florida. to that, before we get to that, forget Florida for a second. Um, Frank, where do you see the Sabres in the postseason race right now? Obviously, as a Florida Panthers fan, you know, you're kind of in the same boat, uh, you know, as the Sabres. Yeah. So obviously, Panthers being six games or five games in hand. Uh, the Sabres are looking like they have a decent shot. I feel like they're getting hot at the right time. Islanders are still in possession of that. Of the They have sole possession of a wild card spot. But after tonight, it's I think Sabres could have a shot, have a shot at having that uh, second playoff spot and holding on to it for a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we'll get into a little, a little postseason talk before we talk about tonight's matchup against the Florida Panthers. And obviously you can bring some, you know, some Panthers insight there, uh, being a fan of the team. But like you mentioned, Frank, um, the New York Islanders do have the sole possession right now of the first wildcard spot with 61 games played, 31 wins, 24 losses, 7 overtime losses, 67 points, which is 3 ahead of Detroit. And if the Sabres do knock off Florida tonight, the Sabres um, potentially, you know, they will get into the playoff spot as they are only two points back, and they are three games back of Florida. Or no, they have four games in hand on Florida, and they also have a game in hand on Detroit, and they have five games in hand on the New York Islanders. So many sights to see there. Um, Tanner. Yeah. Sabres. If they win tonight, they're in the postseason. Like, what, what is your percentage, uh, percentages slash hopes looking like right now with the Sabres potentially getting into the postseason? Uh, 99.9. No yeah. way they don't at this point. Oh, uh, you know what? Either way, I would consider this season a success. I mean, I didn't even think that they would be in postseason contention this season. I just wanted to see improvement from the 32, 39, and what, 11 mark a year ago. Yeah. And they've done that. We've continued to see development from our young players. Tage Thompson has taken the next step. You know, he's they're still well within range of scoring 50 goals this season and over 100 points. You look at guys like Dylan Cousins has continued to improve. Even, you know, Jeff Skinner's been kind of a revitalization this year. Tuck's had a career year. Um, Darlene's continued to improve, you know, power's done some good things as well. Like I've seen everything out of the Sabres that I wanted to see this year, as far as just improving record wise, and then just some of the individual talents on the team. So, you know, if they could make the playoffs, that would be an added bonus, but they've already exceeded my expectations for this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about this earlier this morning on my podcast. It's just, we never saw them. I mean, as much as I'll joke and say they're running it, running it to the cup this season and whatnot, like preseason and whatnot, I never truly thought that they would make the playoffs. I thought, because I would always argue with Dan about this, which we all do, that this is like make or break for Granado and Adams necessarily like to show improvement. We saw improvement. They were playing in March last year, but not for anything. They were just kind of having fun and enjoying themselves, and that's a team we wanted to watch. They've done that through and through this season to the point where now they're in playoff contention. So if they get into the playoffs, they've exceeded expectations, in my opinion. And we're on track to exceed expectations in general for the next few years, I would say. And I'm very happy with that. 
And you know what? By the way, Tage Thompson got to give some credit to Tage Thompson. Like I think he, I think he was speaking. I think he was speaking to me last night, man. He, that was his way. That hat trick was his way of saying, "Look, man, I We're know back. you've had, I know you've had, you know, a pretty uh, steep man crush on Ukapekalukin in this year. But let me show you why I was your first love." And that's exactly what he did last night. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Evan, I remember coming home from Cortland on Wednesday night from the Buff State uh, hockey playoff game. He said, "Tage hasn't looked like himself the past." couple games so he looked like himself last night you know he, he did a good job moving his feet you know getting getting himself some breakaway opportunities and then just taking Vasilevsky to school a couple times so that was uh, great to see and like I mentioned you know he's back in the the perhaps 50 plus goal conversation and you know over 100 points just continues to drop jaws through you know in Buffalo and throughout I mean that guy is really something else yeah, Tage Thompson is something else, definitely, for sure. And, and you know, that just kind of goes back to the beginning parts of the season with Tage Thompson. He was just a man on a mission. You could not stop him. Uh, he was putting up, you know, godly-like numbers night in and night out. And then it kind of slowed up for a little bit. It didn't look like, and it didn't feel like Tage Thompson was himself um, the way he was playing, you know, the first 35 to 40 games. He kind of slowed up a little bit. He was still putting up numbers. He was still having really good moments overall individually, uh, but he really wasn't himself. And now part of that was due to the upper body injury he was dealing with um, a little before All-Star break. And, you know, coming back from All-Star break, he dealt with it a little bit. Um, but then overall, he just kind of had to find his, you know, find his footing again. Uh, he wasn't moving his feet as much, but, you know, last night against Tampa, he really was moving his feet. He was really playing with aggression. He was finding the puck, and he was, you know, getting to the net. And, uh, you know, really, really doing some really good things last night outside of just scoring the three goals. I thought he was much better in the defensive zone, and he was much more poised and patient in the neutral zone, which um, led to some great chances for the Sabres as well. Um, Before we get into the Panthers talk, I want to talk a little bit about trade talk for the Buffalo Sabres. Because it seems like every single day, no matter when the Sabres win, lose, or tie— there's always that one person or that one fan or that one insider or whoever that is always pushing the trade button for the Buffalo Sabres saying, add, add, add. The Sabres can go on a 10-game winning streak. Casey Middlestack could put up 30 points in 10 games, but it would still be add, add, add. The Sabres' defense can, you know, play good, but it'd be add, add, add. Um, personally, right now, um, I'll start with Frank. Um Frank, obviously, like you are a Panthers fan, but you do have some love for the Sabres, and you do pay attention to the Sabres pretty yeah. good. I would say more than the average fan. So, right <laughs> more now, more than the average Sabres fan is that <laughs> yeah. what you're saying? Probably or? because we have some fair weather fans. Yeah, but that's continue. Right. That's that's just like my slight jab to Sabres fans. Uh, <laughs> um, Frank, right now, currently, do you do you see the Sabres making a move? And if you see them making a move, potentially, where do you see them going? It's got to be goalie, right? Because, I mean, Lukanen is fine, but can you rely on him too much if you make it deep into the postseason and Lukanen isn't, you know, squaring up what he needs to be? Do you try and go out and see if you can get a goalie? Because I think that's where the Sabres yep. could rely on and head out and go shop for a goalie. Uh, I, I'm going to quote Rihanna on this one. Uh, except not, kind of. I love the way you think. 
Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm right there with you on that one. I think goaltending is the biggest weakness because with our style of offense, that pu- punching, like coming like right up, they don't really take care of the puck in the neutral zone. They just kind of fling it around. Uh, that's prone to turnovers. And uh, if we don't have a good goaltender back there, a constant, like, you know, like a constant force back there stopping pucks to rotate out. I would honestly, it's tough because old man Craig Anderson's looking decent, uh, minus the Kings game. Eric Comrie stinks. Had his moments. Had his moments. UPL goes on hot, hot streaks and cold, cold streaks. Like, that's just kind of what happens. And I think we need a constant force back there to really cement the the gameplay. Because defensemen we can work without. We've done that all season, right? Not really, but like depth defensemen, I should say. But when we we're pushing, better in the back end. We sure. could, yeah, for the back end. But I mean, I how, how do you say his name? Ilya. Ilya Labushkin just bought himself ten more games and good graces after that goal. So I think uh, I think we're doing all right on that end. But it's just you need you need a constant force in that. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to make it very far into the playoffs. Um, especially all we said during Sabers After Dark. If you listen, I'm just yelling the whole time. What what's happening in transition? Like that's all I was. That's the only thing that I see an issue with with goaltending is that we don't have anyone to really save it back there if it goes if it goes rogue. And 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 here's here's <laughs> the big question right now is so Frank you mentioned you mentioned goaltender and that is you know a, a fair point to bring up because when you do look at the Sabers goaltending overall especially their numbers on the penalty kill it isn't good uh, the Sabers goaltenders on the penalty kill have a below 900 save percentage and that doesn't even crack the top 20 in the national hockey league and the one big question with the sabers goaltender wise is they carry three how long can you carry three every team that's fighting for a postseason spot or that's in the postseason um does not carry three they have one guy that they rely on and they have a backup that they swing in uh the sabers don't have that the sabers have one guy they like to rely on and two guys that they rotate in. So if you're adding a goaltender, who are you moving? Like, like really, who are you moving? You're not going to move Lukanen. I don't think there's any chance you can move Lukanen. There's no shot you're going to move Anderson just because of how much he means to that locker room. And Comrie, like, I, I, I don't know how you're going to move Comrie. I, I, I just yeah. really do not see any teams uh, taking Comrie in a trade. I Sure, I guess you can release him. But... I don't think I don't think his contract takes on too much dead cap, but I I, I don't think you want to trade him overall. Um, but the Sabers right now can't even constructionally find themselves to construct a roster down to two goalies, <laughs> let alone no. adding a fourth. Well, that's the thing. I, I think you look at it, and Anderson is dead weight. I feel like at this point, you know, you're getting rid of him, right? As much as I love the Tom Brady of the NHL, I think to free up some space on the roster, you might have to just say kaput and snip those uh, ties there. Uh, just goalie-wise, I mean, like you said, Evan, no team that's making it far into the playoffs has is running three goalies. Like that, That's just not happening. And I don't know. I feel like there's some guys on that are playing down right now, right? Is Bryson still playing down? Playing down in what? Rochester. No, Bryson's up here. Is he still up here? Yeah. I thought they moved him down at one point, or did they not? Who are they? Weren't they switching people out because they were carrying three goalies and stuff no, like that? No, the only the only players they were switching in and out was like Jack Quinn, Peyton Krabs, JJ Paterka, mm. because 
those guys um, can be sent up and down to Rochester um, without um, having to go through waivers. Yeah. But if we wanted to send down um, a Jacob Bryson or we'd have to put a or like um, a Tyson Jost um, or a, like a like a player like Rasmus Asplund, I'm pretty sure they have to go through waivers. I gotcha. Yeah, it's just that's how he lost Casey Fitzgerald. Sabres legend. We'll be seeing him again tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's he plays we'll for Florida now. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But just just going over the rest of you know the Sabres goaltenders in in just trade talks in general. Sabres goaltenders numbers this year. Lukanen has played twenty four games on the season. Next is Craig Anderson with nineteen and Eric Comrie fifteen. Now these numbers are a little bit skewed because when you do look at them. It really is even overall, but we didn't see Lukanen up on the Sabres roster really um, full-time until just a little bit ago, really until like the last, you know, 35 games or so. So Lukanen's played a, a big chunk of the Sabres games over the last 40, but even before him getting here, Comrie and Anderson were splitting, and even with Lukanen here still, they're still splitting. And those those games are just too close with one another. 24, 19, 15? No way. 56 games in, you have to have a guy that is your starting goaltender. Now Anderson, his numbers aren't bad. He's got, in 19 games, played 8 wins and 7 losses and 2 overtime losses. And I think as a backup goaltender, that's fine. As a backup goaltender on a roster and on a team that wasn't projected that wasn't projected to make the playoffs, I think those are fine numbers. Lukanen, as your quote-unquote full-time starter, has 14 wins, 8 losses, and 2 overtime losses. His numbers overall aren't glaring, aren't the greatest, but at the same time, it's kind of the best of what you got. Um, and, when, and when you take a look at the trade market, we, we, we're talking here about the Sabres' current goaltending on the roster but overall when you take a look at no oh, the trade list is not working right now for myself but <laughs> technical oh, difficulties. yeah no right technical difficulties but one of the guys that you know that is up for trade is 35 year old goaltender cam talbot he's over in ottawa right now and ottawa has no chance to make the playoffs potentially this season and they want to move a guy like Cam Talbot, but at the same time, do you guys want to bring in a 35-year-old goaltender? Just, no. just, just for what the last 20 games of the year? No, no. I want to bring one in. Period. I don't want to bring. You're not, one a, in. not a fan of that. No, <laughs> um, I don't think it's wise to spend assets on a position where we already have young talent that we're high on. Like I think Lukanen is going to be a really good NHL goaltender. Levi is tearing it up in college right now. So if you trade for a 35-year-old goaltender, we're just going to have this season all over again. I mean, because you, you'd figure you're probably going to split you know, him with Levi when he comes up with Lukanen. Like just, again, we've already exceeded expectations this season. Just let it ride. Like, yeah. That we were not going to make you know, the Stanley Cup this season. Even the postseason, some people thought that was a reach. So I don't think there's any reason to rock the boat. Like, just stick with Lucan. And Joe, I agree with you that when he is hot, I mean, he is yeah, ridiculous. He's yeah, he's awesome. Like, he has single-handedly won us some games this year with how well he's played. But then, he, when he is low, it is really low. I mean, we just saw it you know, with Toronto last night, letting in eight goals on four shots. Granted, you know, the NHL doesn't track, like, odd man rush statistics as far as I know, but just from the eye test, I want to say that Lukanen faces probably more odd man rushes than any goaltender in the NHL. Like, he is getting 
just my, he is not playing in front or behind a, a very good situation, which is why I would be more in favor of trading for a defenseman than I would a, a goaltender, particularly right shot, even though those are hard to come by in the, the NHL. But that would be my ideal trade target would be a right shot defenseman. But I don't think we need to be, you know, out there, you know, trying to bring in goaltenders when we have two young guys that we're very high on with Levi and Lukanen. Just let Lukanen, you know, I would be in favor of Lukanen. I think he should be playing the lion's share of the games for the rest of the season. Like, he should get, you know, 60 to 70% of the games remaining for the rest of this season because this is how you figure out what the young goaltender is made of when you're, I mean, this is pretty much playoff hockey is starting right now you know once you get into March so you know stick Lukanen in there and you'll find out what he's made of if he is going to be the guy that's going to be you know moving forward our starter our backup whatever the case you know that's you gotta you gotta get the young goaltenders gotta get them time to play and again I'll say with Lukanen like the guy hasn't even played half a season's worth of games in the NHL he's played 37 games in his career you could make the argument that he's ahead of schedule because goalies take a long time to uh to develop and you could say that for playing you know as well as he has and for showing the flashes that he has at age 23 that the the ceiling's really high if we can get uh, everything in front of him figured out so I just I'm I'm gonna say don't rock the boat that's what I've been saying you know every time the trade talks come up don't rock the boat stick with what we have just stay the course Lukanen is the man and he should be getting uh, most of the playing time down the stretch here so Speaking of down the stretch, Tanner, you mentioned playoff hockey's right around the corner. I would say playoff hockey's already here. Teams are, you know, kind of buckling down a little bit. They're, you know, they're they're really figuring out who's in and out of the lineup every night. They're figuring out, okay, this is our, you know, our goaltender for the rest of the season, and we're going to make a playoff push. Um, everyone is figuring everything out as the season's kind of coming to a close. And a matchup that the Sabres are going to be taking place in tonight is against a team that, you know, record-wise is in kind of the same boat as the Buffalo Sabres. And that team is the good old Florida Panthers, the team with the best record in the National Hockey League last season. This year, not doing so hot record-wise, but still, anyway is a really good opponent um, anytime you play them night in or night out. Florida Panthers Florida Panthers currently sit ninth in the East with a record of 29-25-6. and six. So, Frank, this is where you come in. I would say out of all four of us, you probably have the most expertise um, with this team. The Florida Panthers, um, first of all, they have a few guys out of their lineup tonight for the game. Just kind of explain who those players are to the listeners and really what they mean to your lineup. So obviously the biggest blow is Alexander Barkov, the captain. Uh, When he's on, on offense and just passing, he is the best player on the ice besides Matthew Kachuk, hockey Jesus. Uh, But, you know, that's a big blow. Uh, Bennett being out, he's been okay. He's regressed this season a lot compared to last season. But with those injuries, uh, tonight, uh, Anthony Duclair makes his season debut with the Panthers after a successful, uh, I believe, Achilles surgery. So him coming back after, I think, having 58 points last season, his career high, coming back at the right time, missing both of those uh, 
players tonight, especially with Barkov out. Yeah, so Anthony Duclair, I mean, I, I, I've been a fan of Duclair's game for a long time. He's a player that I actually wanted the Sabres, I wanted the Sabres to bring, um, you know, through trade and free agency, uh, whether that, you know, with some of his days in Ottawa or, you know, just some other teams he's played for. Duclair, he's a very good middle six forward. Um, he, you know, he brings an energy to the game. He's a very dynamic forward. He can um, score goals individually. He's a very dynamic talent. Um, talk about Duclair a little bit and what he means to your team overall. Yeah, so he has been missed throughout this whole season. And just his locker room presence is a lot more than I think people would think it is. It's just like a, like a Barkov being out or even like a Huberto who's now gone. Having that key player in there that's able to keep the locker room, you know, going. So him being back, I think, is going to be a huge boost just for the team play, but also morale in general. So I think having Duclair back on the ice and in the locker room and being on the team now with the road, I think that's going to, at the right time towards playoffs, I think this is going to be the right time that the Panthers can start getting hot. All right. So a player that many of us Sabres fans are very familiar with. Um, is good old Sam, Sam Reinhardt. And Sam Reinhardt had a very phenomenal, a very good phenomenal season last year with Florida. Statistically not the same, but he has been ramping it up um, a little bit as of late. Sam Reinhardt, um, what, how have you been feeling with Sam Reinhardt's play this year? Yeah, obviously the whole team has regressed, but Reinhardt has kind of, I, won't, I don't want to say like plateau or flatline compared to last season, but he just hasn't been as consistent as we want him to be but he has been hitting up just like everyone has with the stalls uh stalls for Hagee's been consistent but uh Sam Reinhart back on that back line it's been not as consistent as we want him to be yeah overall now so who will be in to, in goal tonight uh for the Florida Panthers is it, it it's Sergey because we uh we sent Spencer Knight down and I think we called up uh, Lion. So I believe Sergey's in goal. And then I think it's going to be Lion for the next game against the Lightning. Yeah, so obviously Sergey Bobrovsky has the big, correct me if I'm wrong, $10 million contract. And he's still got, what, another four or five years left on that deal? Yeah. So yeah, Sergey Bobrovsky has a lot of money tied into himself. And, and you guys, I, I don't want to say have to play Bobrovsky more times than not. But with this contract, you guys do have to rely on him in, in and how has Bobrovsky been this year um, compared to, you know, past years um, with his days over in Columbus and now, you know, finding his new home in Florida? Yeah, so once again, last season, lights out. But this, I mean, I think he has above 900. I think it's like 902 save. And he's allowing in three goals a game, which compared to last season is, I think, a big drop off. So he hasn't been great. I compare to Spencer Knight, who has been kind of shaky, inconsistent, but I want to keep developing Spencer Knight compared to Sergey. Even though with this contract, I could see a brighter future with Spencer Knight than Sergey. Well, well, yeah, and the thing with Spencer Knight um, that a lot of people don't get, and and I and I'm sure I'm sure you understand this, is that with goaltenders, it takes a long time to develop them. And, and when you guys drafted Spencer Knight. You obviously drafted him in the first round a few years ago. Um, goaltenders really do not get drafted in the first round. But when you draft a goaltender in the first round, I think everybody's expectations is this guy should just be able to come in and, and be that guy. He should be able to be you know, a Ryan Miller-type level goaltender, for example. Um, 
he hasn't been that yet. He's shown all the very good flashes, I would say. And, you know, you guys did extend him with the three-year, $4.5 million contract um, a little bit ago. You guys do have some money tied into him. But wh- where do you kind of see Spencer Knight's development going? Because myself, personally, I think in a year or two, he's probably going to overtake Bobrovsky as a full-time starter. Yeah. And, and it, it, the development probably will take a little longer than it, it should but I think it will get there. But what are your thoughts with this development so far? I agree. I mean, other than some inconsistencies, I think he has those flashes. And when he f- has those flashes, he looks like a top-tier goalie out there compa- compared to Sergey. So I want to keep playing him. I want to keep seeing him develop and become one of the top goalies in the league just because I know he can be that considering we drafted him first and we had out have money tied into him. So... I want to see him keep developing and hopefully in the year or two can overcome, uh, overtake Sergey as the number one. Yeah, so obviously the Sabres and Panthers are playing tonight. And Florida currently right now is four games ahead of schedule over the Buffalo Sabres. The, four was, the Sabres have four games in hand over the Panthers, but the Panthers are only uh, two points ahead of the Buffalo Sabres in the wild card race. Where do you see the Panthers going with the rest of the season in the wildcard race? I want to say good if we can keep getting hot Duclair, with Duclair back and then hopefully Barkov back from, I think, he's day-to-day. So I want to say I feel confident, but just something doesn't feel right. I feel like we're going to miss out because of those games that we have in hand that we're on top of everybody with. So I have a f- feeling that if we could stay hot and we're able to produce goals and Surya is able to stay healthy and consistent, then I think we definitely have a shot. But I think if we start dropping right now, it's not going to be. I think we fall off. All right. And just one more question before we take a break here. Um, talking some Sabres and Panthers pregame talk. Um, Sam Bennett and Barkov, Barkov are out tonight. Who are some players that you know the Panthers need to have step up um, for them potentially to get a win? It's got to be Carter Verhage and uh, Lumberg. Those two on offense have been consistently some of the most clutch and consistent players we have on the ice. So I think Verhage and uh, Lumberg have to be on their game tonight. All right, yeah. Um, do you guys want to do score predictions for the Sabres versus Panthers right now? Seven to four to Sabres. All right, wow. <laughs> He's been holding that one in for <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to go with Sabres four, Panthers one. I think after Lukanen, you know, gave up four goals on eight shots, he's going to have a bounce back. He's going 40 for 41 tonight saves. Can I add one more thing to mine really fast? Sure. So I think Tage gets a hat trick, Middlestack gets a hat trick, and Tuck gets a goal. I think that's how, <laughs> wow. we, get, I think that's how <laughs> we get the seven. That's Middle preposterous. St- <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. I love it. Uh, Frank, what do you got really quick? Four two Panthers. Four to two Panthers. All right, myself, I am gonna give the Sabers a five to two win. I think the Sabers bounce back with a back to back, you know, victories over some Florida teams. I think they need to, you know, get a good strong winning streak going um, before the season really, before the end of the season really ticks up and uh, everyone gets into that full playoff mode. Um, but nonetheless, that was just a little bit of Panthers-Sabres talk, a little Sabres talking on the backside. Ooh. 
I was just going to add in, for the record, we're now 15-3-2 in our last 20 road games. So for t- take that for what it's worth. We can't defend <laughs> yeah. Keybank. Sorry. Sorry, Frank. Yeah, we can't defend Keybank if our lives depend on it. But on the road, oh, boy. We, we walk we're in your, we're literally road warriors. We walk, in your, we walk in your trap, take over your trap. That's hey, what we're doing. you want to know why we do that? Because we win the warm-ups. The Sabres win the warm-ups. They show, their, they, show, they show up there the best rest. They play the best sewer ball, you know, in warm-ups. And as soon as they take the ice, they're ripping, they're ripping circles and, you know, ripping around the back of the net better than the Panthers are. So any team in the league, matter of fact. So that's why the Sabres are so good on the road is because they win the warm-ups. And teams that win the warm-ups, more times than not, win the whole thing. All right, this is 91.3 FM WBNY, and on the back side, we will talk a little NBA action, a little NFL action, and potentially a little more NHL action with the NHL trade deadline just around the corner. We'll be back on the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY in just a few moments. Oh, I'm a gummy bear. Yes, I'm a gummy bear. Oh, I'm a yummy, gummy, funny, lucky gummy bear. I'm a jelly bear. Welcome back to the Blitz 91.3 FM WBNY. My name is Evan Harrington. I am still joined by my outstanding co-hosts, Joe Kelly, Tanner Saunders, and Frank Lopez. So, if you could not hear there, that was the Gummy Bear song for Ilya Labushkin. I hope everyone could hear that. That was awesome. Yeah, Ilya Labushkin scoring his overtime winning goal last night in the Sabres 6-5 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Sabres now potentially having a chance to get into the wild card spot tonight in their matchup versus the Florida Panthers, which we talked about just a little bit ago. NHL talk, we'll wrap it up for a little bit, potentially get into some trade deadline talk later in the show, but I actually want to get into some NBA talk. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll get into a little bit. Um, Tanner, Frank, Joe, if you guys have any NBA news you want to talk about, bring it up. Um, but I kind of, you know, the one thing I want to I want to talk about as NBA. he's watching a bear dance on his screen right now, <laughs> just muted. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's time you to have an AirPod in. Um, the one thing I want to talk about in the NBA wise is the All Star Game. Really quick, I don't. Did you guys have a chance to talk about the All Star Game? I want. I want to start a little bit with the All Star Game. No, we didn't. Okay. So the one thing I want to talk about really quick with the All Star Game is the dunk contest that went on. Did you guys have a chance to watch the dunk contest the other day? Mac McClung is a. He's a guy. He is a legend. I did not. I, I as you know, I, mean, I I know about the NBA. I watch when it comes down to championship time. I'm not the biggest like what, viewer throughout the regular season, so it's just kind of you know. Joe, the fair weather NBA fan. I I I w- I'd call myself not necessarily a fan of viewer. I would say. Like, of course, I'm going to watch basketball. March Madness is some of my favorite stuff to watch, right? College basketball. But, like, I am i don't know. I just I can't really follow a lot of the NBA. I don't know why. I'm more yeah. into football and hockey. Like That's kind of what I am, you know? Yeah. No, I know. I know. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the All-Star game took place the other day. And one of the top, um, you know, events that goes on within the NBA All-Star game is the dunk contest. And... You know, the dunk contest has been getting, you know, hated on, I guess you could say, the last few years. Um, It really hasn't been the same ever since that 2016 campaign with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. But I would say this is probably the best dunk contest the NBA has seen um, since the 2016 campaign. 
2016 campaign, and, and, and the winner of this one was Mac McClung. Um, thoughts about the entire NBA uh, dunk contest, uh, Tanner, Frank? Well, uh, Lakers legend, Mac McClung. <laughs> Warriors legend, Mac McClung. Well, Get it right. Get it right. As a Magic fan, uh, it pains me to watch a dunk contest since. Everybody's <laughs> been robbed twice. Jumps over stuff, the Magic Dragon, and then jumps over, well, you know, levitates over stuff, and then jumps over Taco Fall, still just manages to lose. Dwayne Wade, I don't like you. Uh <laughs> But no, this has definitely been the best dunk contest since that, like, those two were going at it. Uh, who put their arm in the rim and then took the note down? Because oh. that was, I think that was, like, the one, like, flat line of that whole dunk contest. I'm trying to remember who that was. Uh, I, could, I couldn't remember if I wanted to. As soon as you said put the arm in the rim, my mind immediately jumped to Vince Carter. But, yeah. like, ain't no way 50-year-old Vince Carter's <laughs> out there throwing down, putting his elbow through one the rim. One more year, one more season. He can do it. Come back to Orlando. I got one more in me. No, come back to Atlanta. That's Absolutely. an Atlanta Hawks legend Absolutely right there, Vince not. Carter. Uh, no, it was uh, it was cool though. I mean, if there's if they're generally when it comes down to the skills competition, if there's an Atlanta Hawk in there then or not in there, then I uh, I don't entirely follow like the three point contest. You best believe I was invested in that. Not that we had a hawk in there, but former Hawks legend Kayvon Kevin Herter. It was he uh, he didn't have the greatest performance. In fact, he was dreadful. But uh, you know it was cool to see him in there. I am super furious still to this day that we traded him. But uh, that's the one I was paying attention to. But no, the dunk contest was cool. I mean, it's a way to at least uh, drum up fan interest again i mean i think part of the problem is they can't get really stars to participate in the dunk contest like you think people would rather see mac mcclung well maybe they would now at this point but you think before mac mcclung went off and went god mode like that you think they'd rather see him or like ja morant so i think that's part of the problem but uh it was cool to to see him go in there and uh Maybe not the typical archetype, you know, pasty white boy out there. You wouldn't expect to win the dunk contest, but not the tallest he did. guy either. Credit to him, yeah. White men can jump. Thank you, Mac McClung. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess you can say Mac McClung has officially got that dog in him. Um, so you know that was that was cool to see McClung um, winning the dunk competition because you know he's a guy. You know, we all saw his highlight tapes in high school. Um, a lot, a lot of us did. Uh, when following basketball, I was like, "Look at this guy." I mean, not the tallest guy in the room, but he can jump out of the room. And, and Mac McClung, um, definitely, I guess he's an inspiration to a lot of us shorter people that that can't, you know, dunk a basketball. Maybe, maybe we'll have us like, you know, hit the gym and maybe, you know, jump and get our get our bounce bounciness and bunnies up. Um, but overall, uh, Tanner, you mentioned you watched the three point competition. Um, Kevin Herter was in it, you said. Didn't have the greatest performance, but Damian Lillard didn't end up winning. Dollar Dame. And Damian Lillard, um, a guy that probably, if he did not play in an era with Steph Curry, would probably be widely recognized as one of the top point guards, um, you know, not only in this generation, but of all time. Um, but he's definitely had a, um, a fair share of top-end point guards that he's had to play against. And I think this is a nice little recognition for Damian Lillard because we know Damian Lillard is undoubtedly a top two shooter when it comes to 
uh, you know, shots from the logo or, or shots from the parking lot. He's he's up there with the best of them. But I think it was a nice little um, feat for him to uh, win the win the uh, three point competition. Yeah, he is one one heck of a player. Absolutely. I mean, it's a shame. You know, he surely is not going to have the uh, the postseason resume that's going to. Um, vault him into that conversation with the Stephen Curry's of the world, but he might end up going down as probably one of the most, if not the most, underrated point guards of all time because the guy can score. You mentioned he can shoot from. I mean, look at the shot he had in the actual game, the All Star game itself. He pulls up from beyond half court, and it's not even like he's just like heaving it, just throwing it. It looks like a normal jump shot, and he just casually swishes it. Like that's that's alien. Like you, you should not be able to do that. So yeah, it was good to see him uh, get that individual accolade I hope that Portland somehow is able to put a team around this guy that can contend for a championship or he finally just relents one day and just you know gets traded or something signs with a contender but boy he is uh, one heck of a player and he has ripped my heart out on more than one occasion so uh he's but you can't hate the guy like he seems like such a chill level-headed dude off the court it's just even though he's destroyed me that that shot that he hit on Oklahoma City in the playoffs that ended up getting uh, both Paul George and Russell Westbrook traded destroyed me killed me but he's he's uh quite the talent and it was cool to see him finally get one get that three-point contest so speaking about Russell Westbrook um he is officially now a LA Clipper um I don't know if I would call this a big three, but it, it's definitely um, a big three to some. Uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, the new quote-unquote big three um, in L.A. Tanner, um, obviously Russ got traded from the Lakers to the to the Utah Jazz and got bought out by the Jazz, um, and now uh, you know he elected to go over to LA. How, first of all, what are your thoughts with Russell Westbrook's journey in the NBA um, over the last you know four to five years, and how do you think this is going to work out from Russ going? you know, literally across the street from a Starbucks to a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad he's finally free of the Lakers. I mean, because having Russell Westbrook on the Lakers, it was like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like, there was no way that was working out. Just not a great fit. You know, Russell Westbrook is a ball-dominant guard, and to try and, you know, squeeze him in a lineup with LeBron James, who is also very ball-dominant, just... There was no way. That was doomed from the start. It's unfortunate. Russell Westbrook, probably when all is said and done, you know, is going to be one of my favorite, if not my favorite basketball player of all time. Like, he's the player that got me into basketball, just the whole triple-double rampage after Kevin Durant left him high and dry. So I'll always have an appreciation for Westbrook, but he's... Not that uh, not that guy anymore, but I still think he can be a productive NBA player. You know, he's still a good playmaker. He'll bring energy, which is something that the uh, the Clippers can use. They're twenty fifth in the NBA in pace, so um, he'll certainly help out with that. You know, he's still got some athleticism in him. Maybe not to the level it was when he was in Oklahoma City. Just that nuclear athleticism, as Mike Breen called it. But you know, he can still come in, probably give you 
20 to 25 minutes of solid play off the bench, and he's with a guy that he's familiar there in Paul George. And I guess uh, in that case, that's going to be the team that I root for this year to bring it all home, the Clippers. I would have loved, loved to see Paul George and Russell Westbrook bring it home for Oklahoma City. But if they could do it in L.A. too, that would be that would be awesome. But, uh, you know, they tried the John Wall experiment. That didn't work, but I think uh, – this is a good fit for Russ. You know, just come in, maybe give him 20, 25 minutes off the bench, just do his usual scoring, uh, playmaking, that type of thing. And I'd be interested to see, you know, what he could do in a lineup of him, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. But I think primarily at this stage in his career, he's better suited um, for a bench role. Just be that, you know, energy guy who can score a little bit, you know, play make a little bit. He's not going to be shooting the three, but that's not a huge problem for the Clippers because they are tied for sixth in the NBA in three-point percentage. So I think uh, I think this is a good fit for Russ, and hopefully they can bring it all home. Yeah, so when you take a look at the Clippers roster, they have some really solid pieces, not only in the starting lineup, but, you know, depth pieces as well. Um, obviously, you have Russell Westbrook. You got Leonard. You got Paul George. But then outside of that, you got some really nice pieces to complement those three. Mason Plumley, Ivig Zubak, uh, you know, Terrence Mann, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, uh, you know, senior. So like like these are some really quality pieces um to support that quote unquote big three. Um, and I and I really like the direction the Clippers are going in. Obviously, they have to compete um, in a West Western Conference that is, is really tight overall because the Clippers right now do have a little more breathing room than others. They sit they sit as the fourth seed with thirty three wins and twenty eight losses, but the New Orleans Pelicans are only three losses back at the eighth seed. And the Jazz are only three losses back at the nine seed. So when you take a look at it overall, I think this is I think that this is a nice little move to not only support and strengthen the Clippers' chances down the stretch in the postseason when once they get there, but I think this is also a move to kind of lock up their chances to get to the postseason because you have a really um, I don't know what the word to call it. You have a really strong hunt um, from a lot of teams in the West, whether that's the Trailblazers, Trailblazers, the right. Thunder, the Warriors, Jazz, Pelicans. The Clippers, a couple games, they can fall right out. But, you know, getting a guy like Westbrook and just having some of that you know, more solidified point guard play can really just, you know, bolster their chances of locking up some uh you know, some postseason some postseason looks there. Um Eastern yeah, if Conference. They can go, if they can go on a run here, they're like right in the thick of things. I mean Denver's kinda they're running away with the one seed, but I mean you look at two through four, I mean, they're only separated by three, three and a half games. So if the Clippers go on a run and then if you got Sacramento or Memphis falters, you know, they could be looking at the second seed. Yeah, no, I mean for sure. Like again, the Clippers are a team that haven't had the best postseason experiences, I would say, ever since, uh, you know, getting Leonard and George, or, you know, even when they had, you know, Lob City back there with, you know, you know, Blake Griffin and, you know, Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, Lob City. 
um, you know, they, they, they weren't able to, you know, make the Western Conference Finals. That You know, a whole ton of, you know, gets the finals. So now they have a chance potentially with a new big three over in L.A. just across the street from Starbucks over to McDonald's. Um, but now, uh, Frank, you're an Orlando, Orlando Magic fan, you mentioned, right? Yes. All right, so we'll talk a little bit about the Magic here. <laughs> um, they don't have the best record on the season. They have 25 wins and 35 losses as yeah. the 13th seed in the Eastern Conference. You know, just, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm not the biggest watcher of, of the Orlando Magic, but just talk about them a little bit. Uh, surprisingly, this isn't as bad as I thought we were going to be. I knew with Paulo, uh Rookie of the Year, that we weren't going to be terrible, but I'm not mad at a 25-35 and 35 record considering we've kind of blown up the team. But we have, I think, one of the youngest teams in the NBA, Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs. Uh, we still have uh, Wendell Carter, who just put up the game-winning putback last night against Detroit. I mean, I think when you look at this team and how they're developing next three, four years, and we sign everything and we are able to keep the team, I think we could be towards the middle of the pack of the uh, East and be consistent making the playoffs. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at the standings overall, you guys really aren't too far off um, record-wise because I know, Tanner, you're not going to like me to use this, this example. It is your team. It is the Atlanta Hawks. They have a 29-30 and, and 30 record right now. And that they're and we don't have a head coach. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Tanner, you might be the head coach for all we know. We'll get into that in a second, too. Um, they have a 29-30 record. They're the eighth seed. Um, but then that, when you take a look at that, that's only four games um, ahead of a team like the Orlando Magic. And the Orlando Magic are the 13th seed. They're just behind the Pacers, Bulls, Wizards, and Raptors. I mean, the Raptors, really solid team. Bulls, when healthy, really solid team. But, you know, the Pacers and the Wizards, they're a little bit up and down. But overall, with, you know, Paolo Benchero and, you know, some of those young players like you mentioned, they're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. I think you guys should be really, um, you know, well put with yourselves that you're not a Detroit Pistons or I actually Charlotte went to Hornets a Pistons fans. game in Detroit one time. Fun fact: played against the Charlotte Hornets. Actually, funny enough, really the two worst teams. They the won NBA. in the Pistons won in overtime, like 121 to 120. It was, was it was game. it was actually a phenomenal game. Like it was they their chant though the Pistons chant is probably the worst one I've ever heard in my life. What is it? <clears throat> what is it? You know how the Bills go? Hey hey hey! Like there's a whole song like yeah, everything. The shout song. Yep. Sabers got the saber dance, everything. You know what I mean? Bandits. Who get? What's they got? Nothing. All that yeah. stuff. You know. Detroit basketball. <laughs> That's sir. all they say. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is the worst chant I think I've ever heard. But they gave us the clappers for the foul shots, which is yeah. pretty cool. You know? Oh, you were. Oh, you were sitting right behind the basket. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Detroit. Basketball. basketball. That's all they do. Like it's ridiculous, but I, that kind of blew me away. Man, that, it was that, a good game. They 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 won in overtime, you know. Yeah, and that was this year. No, no, no. I was like, I was a freshman in high school. This oh. was a while ago. Yeah. Oh, was uh, might have been back in the Drummond days. Andre yeah. Drummond might have been. I don't know. I I'm not. I wasn't a Pistons fan or anything. Blake like Griffin that. wasn't on the Pistons no, that, that time. Was, I think that was still Lob City. Yeah. I'll find the exact date on the Snapchat memories, and I'll get back <laughs> there to you. you go. Because that, that's that's where things are going to really and pop up. These here. teams could. I mean, might be. Kemba still might have been in Charlotte at the time, depending on don't know. what oh, it was. Definitely, if 
it's freshman year in high school. Chem, cardiac chem is definitely still running in Charlotte. Well, we'll see about that in a moment. Joe's got the... Uh, oh, my God. It was a year ago yesterday. Really? Yeah, it was the last game in their old stadium. Before really? Before the Pistons moved. When they how rebuilt. many years ago you said it was? Six years ago. Look at I was right. So I was right 2017. down there. Yeah. Yeah, we were about four games up. Where was it? I had... Okay. Yeah, it was against the Charlotte Hornets. Where's the score? Oh, I got a guy doing a dunk competition. He did a somersault off of uh, a trampoline, which was interesting. I'm trying to find where the score is. I'm trying to pull up the game logs from six years ago, 2017. Pistons Hornets, February 23rd, 2017. Wow. Uh, Can are you looking so that up? Got to go back. Yes. Um, February 23rd. Yep. You said. Yeah. There you go. Oh, um, what did they win by? It was 114, close. 108. 114, 108. Okay, maybe I was wrong on the score, but I didn't. <laughs> that is yep. still OT, right? Um, they went into overtime. I do know that. Kemba had 34 points that night. Yes. Jeremy yep. Lamb had six. Kemba 34. Nicholas Batum 18. Frank the Tank Kaminsky 17. <laughs> Marvin Williams, MKG, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Who was uh, who was balling for Detroit? Up. Cantavius Caldwell Pope. Wow. He was on the Pistons. Yep. Tobias Harris. Toby, yeah, 25 points. Drummond had 12 and 13. So there you go. Man, this is a throw. Jeez. <laughs> it was a good game. Like, I fondly remember that game, but not very much about it. <laughs> not not uh, two great teams at the time. No. Charlotte was 24 and 30. 24 and 32 and Detroit would have been 27 and 30 coming into it. So the the mid off it ended up being a pretty good game. Yeah, I mean it was a garbage game. Well, like garbage team game, you know what I mean? So it, I I kind of like games like that cuz it's a toss up, but yeah, the chance the most memorable thing and how bad it was, I would say. <laughs> so Yeah, so before we take a quick break, Tanner. Yeah. The Atlanta Hawks you mentioned a couple moments ago. Not only do they not have the best record that they potentially could have, um, you know, on the season with having, you know, some high hopes with another, you know, big year from Trey Young and, you know, bringing in DeJounte Murray and all that stuff, um, you know, wrapped in all together. You guys do not have a head coach currently. What's going on with that? Talk about that. And, you know, where are the Hawks going to go with a potential new head coach? Uh, well, Nate McMillan, after, you know, leading us to only being a couple years removed from making the Eastern Conference Finals, going 29-30 and 30 this year, out as the uh, head coach. Apparently they're looking at Quinn Snyder, former uh, Utah Jazz head coach, which I wouldn't be mad about because, I mean, you look at Quinn Snyder, you know, he got those uh, some of those Jazz teams the playoffs year in and year out. Granted, they never did anything, but at least got them to the playoffs, which if we're lucky, geez, we hope we can do that, that sometime this year. I mean, we're on the outside looking in at this point, but I think that would be a sick hire bringing in the – bringing in Quinn Snyder maybe could help with the the defense a little bit that's been an issue for quite some time in Atlanta I mean we have some good individual defensive players with uh, obviously DeJounte is one of the best perimeter guards 
uh, perimeter defending guards in the NBA. DeAndre Hunter is a good wing defender. You know, Clint Capella is a good rim protector. Onyeka Kongwu is a very underrated defender, I would say, just, you know, posting up, protecting the rim, that type of thing. So he could help us out uh, in that regard. I mean, he's coached some, you know, good defenders in his time over there in Utah with uh, with Mike Conley and obviously Rudy Gobert. So, I would be that would be amazing. You know, it's not uncommon to see, you know, teams kind of struggling at midseason and then turn it around. I mean, look at the Boston Celtics last year. They were a couple games under 500 at one point and then rallied all the way to the NBA Finals. Not saying that's going to happen to us this year, but it's not uh, not uncommon. So, who knows? Maybe, you know, if we can get Quinn Snyder in there and can uh, can do some things then Maybe maybe that's us. I'm not counting on it, but uh, clearly it wasn't working out with Nate McMillan this year. So instead of trying to to force it, just you know, cut your losses, go your separate ways, and uh, try and salvage the season while it's still possible to do so. Yeah. So another thing I want to talk about with the, with the Atlanta Hawks is I know we talked about this a little bit in the um, off season in the NBA when they got him, um, Dejounte. What's going on with them right now? How are they doing overall? Are are they exceeding expectations, or are they just kind of meeting them um, for what you had for them this year, Tanner? I don't think that's uh, that's the issue. That's the least of our concerns. Is is uh, those two? I mean, you look at Trey Young. You know, he's still doing his usual stuff, averaging twenty seven a game, ten assists, on decent enough shooting, forty two thirty. 289 splits. I mean, you'd like to see him be a little more efficient from three, but that's just Trey Young's game. He takes high difficulty shots from three. Sometimes, you know, he'll pull up from the logo and he'll think, what the hell is this guy doing? And then he knocks it down. So that's just, you know, how it is with Trey Young. And then DeJounte, you know, he's averaging 21, 6, and 5. You know, is a threat to get a triple double out there pretty much every night. One and a half steals playing, you know, solid defense. So. I don't think it's it's those two. Those are the least of our concerns. Obviously, you know, they provide the scoring, the playmaking. You know, they can play off each other because having DeJounte allows Trey to play a little bit more off-ball. I just think it's the, the surrounding cast that's an issue. You know, not having, you know, great individual defenders outside of guys like DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella and Onyeka Kongwu. John Collins has been a curious case for... Uh, for some time now, I mean, he's putting up, you know, 13 a game on good efficiency, apart from three, only shooting 25% from three. That's not ideal. He's been, you know, subject to trade talks these past couple of years. So I just think they got to figure out everything. You got your two pieces, your, your two, you know, playmaking, scoring, defending, well, at least one of them, guards, and Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, they just got to figure everything else around them. Yeah, and, and, and those supporting cast uh, members, like, is there something? Is there is there a player you want, uh, you know, potentially, you know, the Hawks to add next year within the draft or free agency or anything like that? Uh, I mean, ideally, he's not going to be a free agent, but we need like a Paul George type. We just need like a solid, even though Paul George is a step above solid, but just that type of three and D wing who can you know make plays off the dribble can you know shoot off the ball and just defend the other team's best player night in and night out I mean DeJounte can do that but you'd like to have him save some gas for the offensive side of the floor as well but we just need a player like that like Paul George would be sick but he's probably not getting traded and he's not a free agent but just that type of three and d wing with that offensive upside as well 
All right, we're going to take a quick break here on 91.3 FM WBNY. And after the break, we'll get into some NFL talk. And uh, Joe's got some interesting insight on some, uh, you know, Bill's cap situation. So we'll get into that right after the break here on 91.3 FM WBNY. Welcome back to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. My name is Evan Harrington, still joined by Joe Cali, Tanner Saunders, and Frank Lopez. And if you're wondering, why is this music that we're hearing right now so awesome and outstanding? It's because we're back for some NFL talk, and it's not game picks. I know we normally use this music for game picks, but I'll turn it down a little bit here. But we're going to talk a little bit about you know, some NFL franchise tags and you know potentially if those players should be franchise tagged or not. But Joe, before we get into that, you actually have something you want to bring up about the Bills cap situation. I do. I have a cap extravaganza pulled okay. up, okay? But let's let's go into this. Okay, so this is from Cover 1. I just want to get everyone's thoughts on this cuz this is this intrigued me quite a bit. So, I'm going to before I get into the specifics of what needs to happen, the starting cap space is negative 16 and a half million dollars for the Bills, right? Solid. And the resulting cap space from these moves is plus $50.5 million in cap space. Holy so there is quite a lot of breathing room that will be added. So the first four, Josh Allen, Von Miller, Deion Dawkins, and Trey White, you're basically just restructuring their contracts, right? So yeah. by restructuring Josh Allen, you free up $21.5 million. You, re- you restructure Von for $10.8 million. Deion, 6.4, and Trey White, 5.8. What does everyone think about restructuring those contracts? I feel like you kind of have to, you know what I mean, going into the offseason. What, like, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm all for it. Create as much cap space as possible. Obviously, it's a two-way street. You know, those guys have to be willing to do so. But if they are, then green light go. I feel like Josh Allen would want to win, you know what I mean, more than yeah. worry about his money. Um, no, and I think I think that's a great point, uh, like you mentioned, Tanner. Um Obviously, the players have to kind of greenlight the idea of it. Um, Brandon Beam, who loved to restructure every single contract that he has signed, um, you know, with said players. And the one thing that I love about the Buffalo Bills is that every player that they have signed to a long-term money deal normally is team first and winning first more than money first. Exactly. So they are very bought into the culture and the uh, end goal that. Um, you know, they signed for to be here for. Um, and, it, you know, if that is restructuring a contract uh, to the slightest, whether that's just a little bit less money or, or they're going to, you know, backload, uh, you know, some of the other things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in future years, whatever creates the most amount of cap space, I'm all fine for it. And yeah. I think Von Miller, Josh Allen, uh, Trey White, and Deion Dawkins are all guys uh, – that are, uh, you know, undoubtedly team players and, you know, willing uh, to step up to the plate and, and, and take that for, for their team. Notice how Steph Diggs' name is not on there to restructure. He's not on this list at all. But moving forward. I think Steph would restructure, though. I think he would, yeah. But I just don't I don't know why. He got signed to a big-time deal, too, so I'm not sure why he's not resigning. But the next player that's listed is Mitch Morse, concussion god. And it says leave Mitch alone. Don't touch him because he's probably retiring soon anyway. If he gets another concussion, they're probably going to say, all right, dude, you're done. 
you know, and being on the line, that's a high probability. So leave Mitch alone, all caps with an exclamation point. That's what's listed on here. Next player, Ed Oliver. Okay, kind of disappointment this the past couple seasons. Like even pre Vaughn, his stats are still iffy sometimes. We, he was really hyped up when we drafted him. Really looking forward to another like, you know, just big lineman to break through and go through. But unfortunately, it hasn't been happening. So they say to trade him for second and fifth round pick. And that would free up $10.8 million in cap space. What mm-hmm. do you guys think about that? Uh, as much I'm, as I love Ed, I, I feel like I'm kind of on board with that. You know? I mean, my biggest trepidation there would be who are you going to replace him with? Like, sure, the money's cool and all, but uh, Got Daquan who Jones. are you going to replace him with? I mean, maybe you draft somebody or sign somebody in free agency, but uh, I'm not crazy about that one. Like, if you could get an asset in return, mm-hmm. like I've seen, I don't know how willing the Broncos would be to do this, but if you could trade like an Ed Oliver for a Jerry Judy, like that, sure, then right. th- that makes yeah. sense. But Equal I return. Just, I guess it depends what the return is, honestly. It, it, in my, my, my issue with this is you talk about trading Ed Oliver and, and saving the money. Okay, first of all, Right now, trading at Oliver does not benefit your team, in in the slightest in my in my viewpoint. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't want to bring him back after this next season, that that's fine. That is something um, that you can talk about um, in 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 the next off season or at the end of you know of this next coming season. But as of right now, trading at Oliver for me would not benefit the squad because, like Tanner mentioned, who are you going to bring in? Who are you going to bring in that is going to be better than Ed Oliver right now? Because Ed Oliver isn't a bad player. It's just he's not living up to the ninth overall pick that he was and, and, and the quote-unquote cap hit um, that he brings to the table. And if you bring in a second and fifth round pick, I'm not saying that Brandon Bean can't draft in the second round, but when you look at the Bills draft picks overall throughout the years, the second round pick has not been Brandon Bean's um, best draft position you could say james cook's the only arguable one there yeah I feel like. and, mm-hmm. and still we really don't know how good he can be yeah there's still much growth there's much more growth with him as a player um and, and, and overall this kind of even goes back uh you know a few years ago the bills have invested so much into the defensive line right if you lose a guy like ed oliver you're gonna have to reinvest on the line somewhere whether that's through the draft or free agency and when you do something like that the fan base is gonna go nuts because years ago when the Bills, you know, lost guys like Kyle Williams and Marisol Darius, they had they had to, you know, get new players to come in. They, you know, they bring in guys like Jordan Phillips. You bring in guys like Starla Tuile. You draft guys like Ed Oliver. Yeah. Some of those work. Some of those don't. Um, how many players can you just keep bringing in and plugging in the position? I think Ed Oliver's fine. I think he's stable. I don't think he's great. I think he has good moments. Um, I think there's still a chance he can, you know, take another step in his development. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a star, if he's going to be a star in the National Football League, but I still think there's room for him to grow, you know, as a good player in this league. But overall, I just I just don't uh, see his trading yet. Yeah. Frank, you got anything? I know, you, I, I know you're a Tampa guy, but, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, for Ed Oliver, though, if the return is greater, because he's 25, and he hasn't been terrible, but, I mean, do you really trade him away? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's just up to the question of what would you get in return, like Tanner said. If you got a Jerry Judy in return, you know, like that, 
where now we're not in that defensive game of football. We're in the high-scoring offense. You just have to outscore your opponent, you know, that kind of a thing. So, I don't know. That's That one's iffy. So, we'll at the end, we'll subtract that from the 50.5, but just rule that out. Naheem Hines release they're saying which i do not agree with at all that that to me is so bad 4.8 million that would free up you pick him up he's fantastic and then you just release him i'm not on board with that at all what do you guys think that doesn't make sense no restructure stefan before you yeah don't leave naheem hines like uh, someone's gonna grab him he's gonna be fantastic I mean, so. I'd like to see him. Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, I'd like to see him get more touches on offense, but you can't even deny his impact in the return game. He single-handedly right. won us that game against the Patriots. So yeah. Even, you know, if he hasn't gotten as involved offensively as we all collectively probably would have liked to have seen, I mean, there's enough there. He's done more than enough to, to secure his spot on the roster. That one just shouldn't even be up for consideration. Yeah, and, and you know, in the conversation with Naheem Hines, it's not only, like you mentioned, Tanner, he solidified himself as, as as the top returner on the Buffalo Bills, punt and kick-wise. But he's been one of the top returners in the National Football League, and there's very good, valuable um, you know, looks with that, having Naheem Hines back there. But with Devin Singletary as a free agent this offseason, mm-hmm. it really comes to question, okay, the Bills may need to rely on Naheem Hines to be that secondary back to a guy like James Cook, and you know, and the Bills could probably bring in a running back uh, through the draft very late in the round, whether that's an undrafted or like a sixth or seventh round pick, to complement um, Hines and Cook. But I, I think the Bills are going to keep Hines. Maybe they can find a way to restructure the deal a little bit there. Um, but overall, I think Hines is is a mainstay on this roster for at least you know the foreseeable future this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this next player on this list, there's three more. Next player on the list really plays into that, in my opinion. Uh, you keep Naheem Hines, but you release Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Naheem Hines could fill that gadget role of Isaiah McKenzie and I think be a better fit to the Bills' offense than McKenzie in the full-time slot position. As much as I like Isaiah McKenzie, and he's had great games, he's too inconsistent for my liking, where Naheem Hines can play the same position. And already as a returner, he's way more consistent and way more, you know what I mean, like fit for the bills i feel like so releasing isaiah mckenzie i'm fine with i feel like what do you guys think yeah a little dirty a little dirty (laughs) i mean you know he's cool but i think you mentioned that isaiah mckenzie would fill his role not only from a return standpoint because he was our primary returner for a time but also in that gadget role offensively you know the guy that you're gonna throw swing passes or give the occasional jet sweep or jet touch pass like there's, I don't know if there's anything McKenzie can do that Naheem Hines can't. Exactly. And plus, you know, you have your, I think, on the roster, you already have your guy that projects to be the slot receiver of the future, barring a free agent acquisition in Khalil Shakir. Yep. So I just don't think, there's any, I don't think there's any need for McKenzie. His role can be filled by guys already on the roster. Yeah. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, you know, the thing with Isaiah McKenzie is he has his moments. Uh, we've seen him, obviously, a couple of years ago against the Patriots. He had that big game. and Very good at man coverage because he's very speedy. That's one yeah, thing well, I will say. Yeah, he's very good against man coverage, but more often than, more often than not, um, teams run a lot more zone coverage than they mm-hmm. do man. There's only a couple teams in the National Football League that run um, – a lot, lot more man closer to zone, or more man close, or more man than zone overall. Um, and you know, a lot of those teams we don't play, and only one of those teams is really the Miami Dolphins. So Isaiah McKenzie, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, 
but there's been too many moments this season where he's dropped a few passes or he just hasn't made the right cut up the field to get open, and it's really put the Bills in, in a bad spot. And I just don't think um, he was relied upon to be um, you know, that starting slot receiver that some thought he could be in training camp. Um, you know, coming yeah. and, and also like just coming into the season overall, I think the Bills could you know be fine with cutting McKenzie. Yeah, I mean, you speak of the Dolphins; they're like a twelve-year-old squeaker on Madden on the mic playing uh, just man, Mike Will Blitz. That's pretty much all they do. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But also, breaking news: Tua is taking judo training to um, avoid head injuries and learn how to better protect himself while hitting the ground. So. Um, judo to turn the ball over now is, is out there. So, but um, next player on the board, Daquan Jones. You sign him to a two-year extension. I am absolutely on board with that. He was locked down and a great lineman this year. What do you guys think? I would agree with that. I have no idea why he was scratched for the uh, yeah. Bengals game. I'm not sure it would have made much of a difference in this grand scheme of things. We were just not ready on either side of the ball to win that game. But maybe Daquan Jones could have gone a little bit, you know, and could have helped a little bit with us not being able to stop anything defensively, but he's been, you know, he was a huge addition, just being able to plug up those gaps in the middle. Like, his box scores are never going to jump out at you, but his impact can't be, you know, understated, just being to eat up those double teams and things like that. So yeah. I think uh, locking him up down the road would be a good good idea, even though he is already in his 30s. But yeah. either way, it's beside the point. Yeah, Daquan Jones, um, yeah, he was out with an injury the Cincinnati game, pretty sure. Yeah, I believe so. I yeah. don't think he was. I don't think he was straight up scratched. Let me check. On, oh, yeah. All right. Pretty sure he was dealing with an injury. It, it, it was an injury that we 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 kind of heard about and knew about, but it wasn't one that we we thought it was going to be as worse um, as it was talked about throughout the off season after that game. Um, but you know, the overall thing lying with Daquan Jones, you want got a guy like him here. Um, he's a leader in the locker room. He brings great on field presence. He's you know he's great when he's playing. Uh, he is one of the better defensive linemen on the Buffalo Bills, and I think he's for sure a player that you need to keep on this roster. Yeah, especially if you do what you they're suggesting and get rid of Ed Oliver. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. you're not gonna. You need to keep one Ed the and other. Daquan together because Ed's more of a pass rusher. Ed's the run defender. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the last player, uh, disappointing player of the season, Tim Settles. You give him a pay cut, and that saves two million dollars. I'm all for that. With the the way that he performed this year, as opposed to how hyped up he was, I'm I'm okay with the pay cut on that one. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't have too much to say about uh, about Tim Settle. I mean, he's on a, a two year deal, so he'd be going in the last year of his deal anyway. But if you again, it's a two way street. But if you could get him to chip a little money off of that, then that would be certainly ideal. Yeah, you know, the thing with Tim Settle coming over from Washington, I really had some high expectations, and and I was really hopeful. Um, for number 99 coming over to Buffalo. Now, he had a couple moments here and there throughout the season, but when you're watching Tim Settle, it, he was really quiet um, for a majority of the season, and he has he didn't sign a huge deal um, by, the, by any means of the stretch, but he did sign a pretty solid deal. So if you can probably get, a, get him to take a small pay cut for, you know, maybe a million, a million and a half off his current deal, right. I wouldn't mind doing that. But overall... Uh, you know, bringing bringing back Tim Settle isn't a bad idea. No, and I took out the Ed Oliver. I took out the or uh, Naheem Hines release and the um, what else did I take out? I don't know what else I took out, but we're at thirty. So we would free up thirty four point eight 
million dollars in cap space at that point. So, I would be perfectly fine with that. I don't, what do you What do you think? As in, we would have thirty eight to spend instead or 34 of thirty four to spend. Yes, instead of negative sixteen point five, we would be in the clear and be thirty four point eight million dollars plus. All right. Yeah, that seems decent enough. I think we could get some we could get some work yeah. done with that. Like maybe bring in an offensive guard, like a Ben Powers, maybe from the Ravens or. You know, just maybe bring in a receiver, whoever that could be. I still maintain that my personal favorite would be DJ Chark, but I've seen the idea of Robert Woods floating around now that he's been released from uh, Tennessee. So Von Miller posted a picture with Derrick Henry. That's I mean, that, right. that's happening. So we we don't know what's going on there. I I hope the I was t- <laughs> talking to Joe about this off the air, but I just hope that the Bills trade Derrick Henry for nothing more than just to hear what Dan's reaction would be on the air. Could you imagine if we traded for King Henry, Dan? Would would go ballistic. Oh my he might God. blow the roof off this place. Like the Campbell Turn Student your radio Union all the way down. Might get blown to smithereens if the Bills trade for Derrick Henry. Yeah. Sorry, Evan, I took up a lot of time with that. I didn't realize I was going to take that long. No, but. you're good. I mean, I, I thought it was a good conversation because I actually had no idea how much time, um, you know, this next, sec- next segment I was going to talk about would take. Um, but this segment that I want to talk about is NFL teams with the franchise tag. So teams had the chance from February 21st to March 7th to tag their players. So they potentially still have um, some, you know, a few, you know, about a about a week and a half to tag, um, you know, a set player on their team if they want to. All right, first team mm-hmm. we'll get into Baltimore Ravens. We'll kind of speed run through this. It's gonna be yes or no. Should they tag them? Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and if they want to tag Lamar Jackson, he'll be getting paid $32.5 million for the season. No. I'm sorry, I showed Tanner a meme. You might have to repeat that. It was Josh Allen shopping cart meme. Lamar Jackson, if they do not get a deal done with him, um, you know, in the time, in the time range to, you know, put him, you know, give him the franchise tag, they might give it to him. Um, thirty-two and a half million dollars for a one-year franchise tag on Lamar. Yes or no? Mm. Why aren't they making a deal with this guy? He's their entire team. Like that makes <laughs> zero what, sense to me. Like that's why I'm saying no. I know because it'll be a holdout. Yeah, his, he's not going to play. No. no, I do not do not franchise tag Lamar. He's not going to play for you. It's going to make no. You're wasting money if you do that. Yeah, I would say tag and trade is probably the most likely probably. scenario yeah. at this point. While breaking news: new Chiefs offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. No way! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh Matt God! Nagy and Patrick Mahomes. Who were, who was with? Was it just you, Frank, with me when we were talking to Dan? Or no, that was us three mm-hmm. about Eric Bieniemy not being head coach material, and then two days later he's hires the the OC. The OC, like in talk about a lateral move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But still, he might have a better chance at head coach if Rivera's not working out. So. Yeah, Rivera could get fired yeah. halfway through the season. Yeah. So. Good. Good for Matt Nagy, I guess. He'll have a chance to uh, revitalize his career. Yeah, after a flawed Bears team he tried to lead. That was tough. Hey, maybe Trubisky. Just, yeah, maybe Mitch Trubisky wasn't the truth. Listen, I, I blamed Matt Nagy, but it, Trubisky didn't look any better in Pittsburgh. So, And he only came in for us when we were up 40 to nothing against the Texans. Hey, so. and he could run a play-action boot <laughs> better than the rest of them. Then he, yeah. went, he went from one bad Matt to the next. Matt Nagy to Matt Canada. So. Oh, yeah. Trubisky's just had a rough roll of the dice <laughs> with his offensive play callers. Yeah. 
All right. Um, so you guys all said don't franchise tag Lamar because you want him to get signed on a brand new extension. Yeah, unless it's a tag and trade like Tanner said. That makes sense. But I mean, yeah. if you're keeping him, do not tag him. Yeah. He's not going to play. I mean, he, you know, there's some quarterbacks in the National Football League that account for most of their team's offense at a high rate with the ball in their hands. And, and Lamar Jackson's up there um, with guys like Josh Allen and, and, and et cetera. So, um, well, you take him out and put Huntley in. Look at the difference. Yeah, I mean, you know Lamar, what I mean? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, you know, is is their team. So I would say try to get a deal done. And if you can't, you got to end up tag, tagging him. Um, the one for the Buffalo Bills is Jordan Poyer, but I'm going to throw Tremaine Edmonds in there as well. Okay. And if the Bills want to tag Edmonds or Poyer for safety, it would be $14.5 million. And at linebacker for Edmonds, it would be twenty-one million dollars. About basically uh, Edmonds. Million. Edmonds is going to hold out if he gets franchise tagged. Yeah. He's he's going to get someone's going to offer him a massive contract. He's out there. He's very smart. He's had his breakout season. He's got command of the defense. Like that's that's a young linebacker. He's twenty-four. That's a young linebacker that you want out there at all times. I mean, the, he came in right out of high school. He didn't even play. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's just he's a he's very very good at what he does. Now he's really come into his role. If you franchise tag him, he's going to hold out and he's not going to play. Poyer, you can fit Benford in. That's what the one thing I've been seeing. They're going to move Christian or Benford, can, or you can draft and go maybe sign a right fr- uh, free agent like Kareem Jackson or something. Exactly, and you have Micah Hyde coming back too. Yeah. So if you slide in Benford or draft like you said, and you have Hyde, you're still in good shape. We did yeah. that all year with Poyer without Hyde. So I think you let Poyer walk if you. I mean, that's if he wants pending. the money he's, he's yeah, demanding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if he's willing to come back for nothing just to play and win here, okay. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's fine. Not not a franchise tag resign. But, I mean, that's if we free up this $50.5 in cap. I mean, it all depends on that. Sure. So I don't think you, you tag either one. Yeah. As much as I love Edmonds, if we were talking just based off strictly importance, you tag Edmonds 100 times out of 100. I think he's more important to the defense than Poyer is, but... Just for that that price point and those you know those it, things you just considered, Joe. I don't think you tag either one. Yeah. Now this price point is linebacker, and that and you know that is kind of um, raised up just because of uh, you know defensive ends um, and in defensive ends, um, you know being a linebacker slash. Um, they need to make a distinction between off-ball linebackers and pass rushers. Precisely. Yeah, because TJ Matt, Watt is tall than off-ball linebacker. Yeah. Uh, He's a, he's an he's an edge rusher. I know. Like it's yeah. It's I don't know. What are you gonna do? If only we had Bobby Boucher, right? Bobby the water Bobby boy. Boucher. Yeah. Before we end the show, I have one quick question I have to ask you fellas, though. No. Go for it. Oh uh, oh okay. Go I thought I thought you had more. No no. Okay. I'm kidding. So it's a tie game in the Super Bowl. There's 30 seconds left. Forrest Gump's on your team. He wants to go home. But Bobby Boucher's on the opposing team, and he thinks he's Forrest was talking bad about his mama. Could Bobby Boucher stop Forrest, or is Forrest going to power through? Is your team winning, or is Bobby Boucher sending you home? That's the real question here. Bobby Boucher. You think he's going to send Forrest Gump, Gump home? Never talk bad about my mama. You think you think yeah. he's you think yeah, Forrest Gump's sending, not running Forrest out Gump's of the stadium? Forrest he's going, Gump's going home. Forrest, Gump, Forrest Gump's running to Bobby. Boucher. That's I don't know. What do you think, Tanner? Have you seen either movie? Um, Forrest Gump. Yes, long time ago. Have you seen The Water Boy? I have not. Oh, Tanner, you would love that movie. Yeah, you would love that movie. I'll That's the next go. overtime. We're just going to watch The Water Boy I'll out there. just go with the one that I've seen then. Can you watch go. The Water Boy for like a Blitz episode? That's what I'm saying. We should out there. Blitz overtime. Mm. Sit out there at the TV and watch The Water Boy. Come on. Boucher. You would actually love it if you're a fan of football. It's a good movie. 
yeah. Adam Sandler film, but pretty good. Yeah, well, I have <laughs> a, yeah, I like uh, Adam Sandler films too. Billy Madison's one of my yep. all-time favorite yep. movies. So then you'll love Waterboy. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that prime age of Sandler movies, like yeah. in that same time. So yeah, you know, there there are some good ones. There's yeah. good ones. That one, Happy Gilmore. That's fantastic. Um, I'm yeah. forgetting the movie where he was the uh, the dad in Big Daddy. Big, Big Daddy. Okay, I'm forgetting the name. About That's it. some fantastic movie too. You know that with um. Zach and Cody. Yeah, Zach and Cody, the two twins, mm-hmm. the Sprouse twins. Yeah, because uh, child labor laws, but... Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's another conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> speaking of conversations, that's going to be it for the Blitz um, on this Friday afternoon. We'll go around um, shouting out everyone and their social medias. Joe Kelly, kick it off. You can find me on Instagram at Joe Kelly and on Twitter at The Buffalonian. Tanner Saunders. I find me on Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000 and on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. All right, Frank the Tank Lopez. Find me on Instagram, Frank underscore Lopez 914. All right, and myself, Evan Harrington. You can find me over on Instagram at Evan Harrington underscore 63 and on Twitter at Evan H716 and over on TikTok if any of you guys dabble over there at NFL Analyst. I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY and we will be back Monday for another episode of The Blitz 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982 brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. Everyone out there, stay safe and have a, a very good weekend and a let's go Buffalo.